Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast about, you guessed it, how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why it can be helpful to say, this is actually good for me. And we'll talk about a great strategy for quitting an addictive app. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I know that you have struggled in the past with addictive apps. Yes, that's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I'm happy to report that Candy Crush is still vanquished from my life. <laughs> I don't have Candy Crush on my phone. Um, I'm recovered. You, you, got, you got rid of it. It came back. You got rid of it again, but you're standing strong. Yes. Excellent. Well, listen, we are nearing the end of January, and so, you know, it's it, but it still has kind of that New Year feel to it. And um, I know that I, and I think a lot of people, are still kind of in that mode of thinking about what just happened in the previous year, what do I want to have happen in the year to come. And if anybody else is in a mode like that, I just wanted to recommend um, Chris Gillibo, who has the great podcast Side Hustle School, has this great um, extended cut episode, and it's the extended cut episode number 12, where he talks about how to conduct your own annual review for yourself. And so Mm. he talked about his own annual review for 2017. He's very candid about it. And I thought it was really worthwhile. So if you're still kind of in that mode of reflection, I would just say it's it's something to really listen to because it's a really great exercise. And he makes it very clear how to go about doing it. And you'll link to that, right, Gretch? Yeah, and I'll link to that. So this week, Elizabeth, our Try This at Home tip is to say, this is actually good for me. And Elizabeth, this is your specialty. Mm. This is reframing. (laughs) Yes, I love reframing. It gets me through the day. Yeah. So I learned this strategy from a former boss of mine. And I was working at the Federal Communications Commission for Reed Hunt. And, um, you know, it was was like a a kind of a policy job, a a Washington job, and stuff would happen. And, of course, we would all react very dramatically like, this is great. This is terrible. This is a disaster. What are we going to do? And my boss would always say the same thing. He would, like, take a minute. He would listen to what everybody would say. And then inevitably he would say, actually, this is good for us. And I, he, he was a brilliant uh, kind of litigator, and he could spin the most convincing story of why just about anything was good for us. And it really showed me how if you're really trying to make that positive argument, a lot of times you really can find things, even when on the surface of it, you're like, no, this is very bad for us. This is really bad for me. I love this scratch. Now, obviously, it doesn't work for all things like health issues. Yeah. You're not going to be able to say, oh, it's actually great that I have cancer. No, no. Um you know, and you're not talking about having an unrealistically rosy view of the world. Um, But you you really, it's just about adapting to new facts in situations where, you know, it's not life or death. Right. It's just a way of like, can you push yourself to view it in a different way? Can you shift perspective in a way to see that something that initially struck you one way? Well, maybe it has other things or other aspects that actually you can spin as being good for you. So is there, what have you done, like said, this is actually good for me? Well, actually, I did this very recently, and it was something that that struck me out of the blue. So one of the things that I've always noticed about Jamie, my husband, is that although my my love language is words of affirmation, Jamie is not somebody who gives words of affirmation. He just doesn't give out praise. And that was something that I struggled with for a long time. He's a great husband in almost every way, but that is not something that he does. 
And I remember, like, so a while ago on the podcast, I mentioned, uh, kind of in passing, I said, well, the thing I realized about Jamie is he doesn't give words of affirmation, but also he doesn't criticize. And so that's mm. good. That's sort of the opposite of it. It's yeah. kind of the complimentary thing. You don't praise, you don't criticize. And someone emailed me and said, that has so helped me to understand and appreciate my husband because I know that... I- he also doesn't praise, but I know that it would be much more hurtful to me if he criticized. So I'm sort of like now I, I think about it in a different way because I can see like, well, I, I really prefer that he not criticize. But then mm. so I had been thinking about that. And, you know, because her her words got me sort of were thought provoking and made me think more about this aspect um, in our relationship. And then it occurred to me that the thing about Jamie not praising me is I think that I really am so motivated by praise and really kind of jerked around by praise that if he mm. were saying more words of affirmation, he might be kind of intervening in my fate in a way that wouldn't be good, that he <laughs> wouldn't intend and that wouldn't be good for me. Because I think I would start kind of like, if you're saying jump here, like how high? Or, you know, you say I should do this. Of course I'm going to do that. You know, I think he could redirect my energy, but because he doesn't really comment on what I do or the decisions that I make or like I'm doing this, I'm doing that he doesn't really comment one way or the other, then I'm more free to choose my own path. And so really, I'm like, it's actually good for me that Jamie doesn't give me words of affirmation because it might really mess with my head if he did. That is so true. I mean, once you say it, it seems so obvious. And also it's like, because Jamie, he trusts you to do what you should do or want to do. And he doesn't feel that he needs to praise you. Right. He just thinks you're great and you should know that. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, your words of affirmation too, Alyssa, it's like, it would be nice to have words of affirmation. Like they feel so precious, but it was freeing to me to realize like, well, maybe something that I've always thought as being like sort of a downside is actually Mm -hmm. has this aspect. Well, that's actually really good for me, even if it's not what I feel like is my preference. And even just seeing that I could take a different view kind of insofar as I'd felt resentful towards Jamie, kind of like, can't you just throw me a bone? And I even actually told him one time, I'm like, you could exploit this. You could manipulate me so easily. And he's like, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. You know, and, but I didn't realize really the right. import of what I was saying. I was like, I just wish you would praise me for doing stuff. But now I realize it's really better not. So that's how in my life I was like, oh, this is actually good for me. Mm-hmm. I've tried to use this like in the past, Gretchen, when Sarah and I say we are trying to get a pilot made and it didn't get made. You start to argue, well, why this is good is because now I have some downtime. I can finally get my life in order. I've been working so hard next year. You know, we learned all this stuff that will do a better you know, job next year. Um, I won't say it 100 percent works for me, but it definitely helps to reframe like why something that seems bad is actually good. Right. And often it's not clear why something's good or something's bad. So you can say like, well, that was a disappointment or that didn't work out. But then there also are these ways in which this is good for me or why this can work for me. And I have to say, you know, Alyssa, you often emphasize reframing. And it took me a long time to understand how much it actually matters. Because I used to think the truth is the truth. The facts are the fact. The situation is what it is. But, you know, how can framing make such a difference? But now I see it really it makes a huge difference in how you see what's happening around you and how and you see yourself. Yeah, and especially because, as you always point out, we've all got the negativity bias. Yes. So we're automatically looking for why something is negative. Yes. That comes up very easily, yeah. <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. 
But yeah. finding the positive, which is what Reed was so brilliant at, yeah. you know, is it takes a little more time, a little more um, analysis. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, it's not about gaslighting yourself or pretending that things aren't the way they are. It's about trying to have that different perspective so that you can see it in a new light. Yeah. This isn't like, oh, let's excuse bad behavior by saying, oh, it's actually good for me, you know, that that, you know, my husband cheated on me. Although for some people that could be good because they could end up getting out of a bad marriage. But right. um, It's it's just about analyzing a situation and looking at all the angles so that you see how you can move on in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. So let us know if you do try this at home and how trying the argument, this is actually good for me, works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode at happiercast.com slash 153. This is episode 153 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, our listener Emily has a happiness hack, but first, a little break. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Okay, Gretch, it is time for a happiness hack. And this week, we're hearing from our listener, Emily. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. My name is Emily, and I have a happiness hack related to the clean slate strategy. I recently got a new iPhone, and when I took it out of the box to set it up, I decided not to use the iTunes feature where you can restore from backup, which puts everything, your apps, your photos, things like that, automatically back onto your new phone, exactly the way you had them on your old phone. I found that this helped me mindfully choose which applications I wanted to have on my brand new phone. There were certain apps that I found it impossible to delete on my old phone, but that were real time sucks that I wish I didn't use, especially certain games. This clean slate strategy helped me choose a fresh start with my new phone and set it up the way I ideally wanted to use it. It took a little extra time to set it up initially, but it made a huge impact and it's been three weeks and I still haven't downloaded any of the old time suck apps. Thank you. So, Elizabeth, one of the things I think is great about Emily's point is using this strategy of the clean slate. And this is one of the the 21 strategies I talk about in my book, Better Than Before. The strategy of the clean slate is so powerful, but it's not open to us at all times because we really can only use this strategy when we have a clean slate. So it's like you've started a new job. And so your whole all your old habits from your old job have been wiped away. And that's a great time to put in new 
better habits because you're not fighting against the old habits or you've moved to a new house. And so you can reshape your habits because you're not, again, fighting against the old habits, which is why one of the when people are trying to quit smoking, they often say, like, do it when you're out of your routine or do it when you've moved or something like that. But so she has seen something that maybe people wouldn't think of as being a clean slate, which is a new phone. And that, again, it's like everything is wiped away. And so things can be done afresh in a different way. Yeah, I think this is a great idea, that clean feeling. Right, right. Well, and there's also something else I think at play, which is what's called the endowment effect. This is the psychological phenomenon where it's funny. We value things more merely because we own them. It's like, you know, somebody might be offering you a free mug and you don't really care about the free mug. But if you take it and bring it home and it's in your cabinet, all of a sudden it's going to become more important to you. And it will be harder Mm. to give away that free mug just because it's yours. And I think that it, it, even though it doesn't really rationally make sense, I feel like you see why it's harder to get rid of an app that's already on your phone than it is not to put the, the app onto a new phone. It just feels somehow more disruptive or more of a loss. Like, you're like, ooh, do I want to delete it? But then you're like, well, am I going to add it? Somehow that just seems like a much easier decision to like, yeah, I'm just not going to add it. It feels, feels easier. Yeah, especially if you've paid for it, it's hard to like delete. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have spent that one ninety nine after all. Right, you know? right, right. But, but if, if you just don't download it again, it's you know, it's just uh, just never appears. Right. So you know, this is something that comes up over and over that people are talking about in terms of happiness and good habits, which is how do you use technology as a tool but not feel like it's your master? And so um, so thank you, Emily, for a great tip for how to quit those addictive apps. Yes. Now, Elizabeth, we're going to talk about a four tendencies tip, a tip for how to apply the four tendencies framework in real life. Yeah. And Gretchen, this four tendencies tip actually comes from a fellow Liz out there. She says, I am a classic rebel. That being said, of course, resolutions are not especially effective for me. This year, however, I have decided to choose 12 heroes, one to study and draw inspiration from each month. This decision is based on the principle you wrote about in Better Than Before of rebel identity being a key motivating factor to develop resolve to improve behavior consistently by identifying with a spirit known for upholding integrity in certain desired ways. Um, Now, I think this is brilliant because, as Liz points out, rebels don't really make resolutions or keep to-do lists the way in a lot of the ways that work for the other three tendencies upholders questioners and obligers they need to find their own rebel powers and direct them towards the changes that they want to make and i have to say this is absolutely brilliant because she's right for rebels identity putting forth your, your identity being authentic to your own true identity is a very very high value and this is like an exciting interesting way to engage with this idea of imitating a hero as a way to shape and guide your identity in a way that to a rebel that feels exciting. It doesn't feel like I have to do this. I must do this. I promised myself I would do this. The doctor told me I have to do this, which they are going to resist. They're going to resist being told what to do. They're going to resist telling themselves what to do. But if they're acting according to an identity, um, then that's going to feel much more interesting and, and compelling to them. Yeah. And I mean, it could be not just sort of high ideals, but practical things, too. Like if you want to cook more, you could choose Julia Child as one of your heroes, one of your 12 heroes. And that would encourage you to, you know, try new recipes. Oh, my God. If you read My Life in France by Julia Child, you would be like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, I just want to cook. more. You know, it's so inspiring. 
Um, yeah, or like if you want to exercise more, you could read or learn about some uh, great athlete whose career was really exciting to you. Or you want to focus on travel. You know, there's so many great explorers who've done incredible deeds and crazy adventures that could get you really excited to focus more on travel. Yeah, or a philanthropist could get you to volunteer more. I mean, it just, there's so many examples. Yeah, I mean, even for me, I'm like the opposite of a rebel as an upholder. But like every time I read Virginia Woolf's Writer's Diary, which I basically read constantly, like year after year, I mean, it does get me excited to write more because you just reading what she says about writing and how she writes so consistently and so much it just it puts me in that mindset of like this is the kind of you know obviously I wouldn't compare myself to Virginia Woolf but she's a hero and so that that can shape my identity she inspires you to act right right now this kind of reminds me of something that I wrote about um in the happiness project and I and we talked about this in episode 16 which is this tried this at home of imitate a spiritual master and mm. and um, so it's very much along the same lines. And so my spiritual master is St. Therese of Lisieux and definitely reading her memoir, Story of a Soul, got me, again, fired up to think, oh, well, how would I apply the principles of her life in my life, which is completely different from hers, obviously. Um, so I think that this, I think Liz's idea is just has all kinds of applications and all kinds of implications um, that could help people kind of shape their aspirations and try to live up to those aspirations in, a, in an exciting way, in a way that doesn't feel confining to rebels. Yeah. And by the way, I think other people could also um, benefit from this, not just rebels. Right. No, I think anybody could. Right. But it's particular. Yeah. <laughs> but rebels, it's always like, what's a rebel going to do? You know, yeah, because no, I know. But yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's bigger than rebels. Yeah. Might yes. be particularly useful to them. But yeah, it could work for anybody. Yeah. And by the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about and you don't know if you're an, an upholder, a questioner, a obliger or a rebel, I'll put a link in the show notes and you can take the quiz that will tell you about yourself. All right, Gretchen, this week we have a before and after story um, and it comes from Gretchen, which is funny because we just heard from a Liz. So we have a Liz and a Gretchen this week. Yes. And this Gretchen was very struck by a tried this at home that we discussed way back in episode 27. And this was when I was trying to decide whether my family should get a dog. And we talked about the idea of choosing the bigger life. Gretchen says... In 2017, I was enduring the monotony of work and career. I had lost energy and engagement with work, and I was trying to figure out what would truly be a stretch goal, helping to continue my quest for learning, playing with the idea of unpredictability, which I am not good with, and trying to understand if my current 20-plus year career was actually a fulfilling path for me. The short answer to all of this internal discussion I moved to Paris. I love to travel. I decided to leave my job and move to France for 2018. It was not easy, but I am sitting in my adorable French apartment writing you because so much self-understanding and reflection occurred with your podcast. I am thrilled at the potential of the year ahead. You don't even need to get me started on discussing habit change in a new environment. So back to the clean slate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wow. Talk about choosing the bigger life. I think for a lot of people, that is a super exciting, but also kind of scary goal, which is to move to a foreign country for a year. That is that is big. And that's so exciting that she's doing that. Yeah, it's really great that Gretchen, the other Gretchen, chose the bigger life. And what's interesting is it means something different to other people. To you, getting a dog, which actually had you more rooted to your home, (laughs) um, um, was choosing a bigger life. But to this Gretchen, it was, you know, putting her stuff in storage and moving to Paris. So 
for everybody, choosing the bigger life means something different. Well, and I also think what's interesting about what she points out is that it's a lot of work often to choose the bigger yes. life. You have to steel yourself to the fact that, you know, especially I think moving to a foreign country, just like how do you sign a lease? How do you get cable? How do you get phone service? Like, what if you don't speak the language? All these things can can seem like a lot of work. And you just sometimes, and it was just like with a dog, I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much work. Um, but when you think like, well, this is really the bigger life, um, you can see how for her, this move, like there were all these desires and aims that weren't being fulfilled in her life that now she's like, oh my gosh, I took the jump and now I'm living this exciting life that I wanted to. Yeah. And I think like you said, it is often something scary, Yeah, but doing something scary is what makes us feel like we're really growing and evolving. Right. And like, that's always going to be the biggest happiness boost, right? When you feel like you're you know, living in an atmosphere of growth, as you like to say. Yes, living in an atmosphere of growth. So thank you so much, Other Gretchen, um, for this yeah. this before and after story. We love hearing your before and after stories. It's really fun to read them and then to feature them. So if you have a great before and after story, shoot it over to us. Coming up, Gretchen gives herself an insomnia-related demerit. But first, this little break. Okay, Gretchen, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And this week you are up with a happiness demerit. Yes. So, Elizabeth, as you know, I am an extremely tiresome sleep zealot. And I'm always talking yes. about the importance of good sleep. Um, I value it very, very highly. And the other night I couldn't sleep and I did everything wrong. Because if you know anything about the good advice for sleep, if it's like if you can't sleep after a while, what you should do is you should get up out of bed, do something quiet, like maybe read a magazine or, you know, tidy up the kitchen or, you know, don't like check your email or watch mm. like an action movie. Don't something do something that's going to make you really alert. But you want to get up, you want to move around and that's going to make you fall asleep faster. And also it's like going to keep you from getting very preoccupied about the fact that you're not falling asleep, which is mm -hmm. often makes people very agitated. I know this perfectly well. You know, when I can't sleep, I should get up. Like also I stretch. That often helps me mm. go back to sleep. I put lotion on because it kind of cools off my body and being cooler makes it easier to fall asleep. So I have all these tricks in my toolkit about how to help myself go to sleep. But did I do them? No, I did not. <laughs> I just lay there <laughs> for like two and a half hours stewing. Now, they will say that a lot of times you think that you're awake for two and a half hours straight, but you're actually going in and out of sleep. So you're not awake as long as you think, which is probably true. But mm -hmm. I felt like I was awake half the night. And I'm just like, why? Why did I do that? I know so much better. I just, I just didn't feel like getting up out of it. It was cold in our apartment. I like, didn't mm. want to get out from under the covers, so, which was just foolish because. So I, were you, were you doing the thing where it was like, I have five hours left to oh, sleep. I have four hours left 100, to sleep. I have. hundred percent. No, counting it down. The and, and the thing is, I'm such a sleep zealot that I do get kind of panicky, which then probably mm. makes me wake up like, oh my gosh, if I only get three mm -hmm. hours of sleep, what is that going to mean? You know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. anyway, it's like, but it's funny how sometimes you know perfectly well what to do. So yeah. Then why don't you? I'm like, why did, why didn't I just get up and do the obvious things? I wouldn't be any worse off. It could only help. I was awake for hours. So anyway, lesson learned. Don't lie yes. in bed stewing. Um, so Alyssa, okay. what's your gold star? Give us a good gold star. Okay, well, I'm giving uh, myself a gold star. Actually, it's a joint gold star. It's, I'm giving it to Adam and me. 
And it's for entertaining. Gretz, you know, one of my big goals in life is to entertain more. Yes. It's, um, it's all over my 18 for 18 list. And it's been there for years. This is a, this yes. is a consistent. Yes. This is a, a thread throughout many of your resolutions throughout yes. the well, se- last several years. Absolutely. And as our renovation, the ongoing um, <laughs> endless renovation reaches its close, it's not totally done, but it's done enough that like our house looks, you know, pretty great in most ways. We have had people over. So, you know, we had people over for Thanksgiving. That was its own thing. We had um, some families over and like it worked. It was fun. Everybody had a good time. Um, We've also had Adam's family over again just for fun, not, you know, for any, you know, real reason. Um, and I'm just proud of us because it does get easier every time. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm no like, okay, you know, get this cheese, these crackers, uh, you know, get these paper plates or I'm going to use dishes or whatever. I feel like it's getting easier. Now, I will say I have not cracked the adult dinner party yet. Oh, I haven't had the adult dinner party. Which that's is the on Olympics of entertaining. Yes. That's the most, so, that's the most yeah. difficult challenge building up to that Gretch building up to that but I am really happy we're doing it now I will say Adam made a funny comment the other day after we (laughs) had people over he goes you know uh, entertaining means a lot of cleaning (laughs) he's right because it's both before we're like frantically cleaning and then after you have to clean up everything so we are doing more cleaning but it's worth it because we do love entertaining but I think that's actually one of the positive kind of uh not necessarily intended consequences of it is it does force you to go through and like get everything tidied up and so it's nice every once in a while to do that because otherwise that stuff some stuff can just sit out for months and months and months so well gold star for you this is something that you've been wanting to work on for a long time and now you're really cracking it this is great yes progress gold star and that is it for this episode of happier remember to try this at home try saying this is actually good for me and let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you Thank you to our producer, Odelia Rubin. Also, thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Now, you know, each week we say, if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. It seems like it should be really obvious, you know, if you look around how to review something, but it's not because if you're already subscribed to a podcast, it doesn't give you the option to review. You have to search the podcast app for the podcast, you know, search for happier and then um, follow these steps. You mean you can't just do it from going to the podcast in your feed. You have to actually search for it and have it come up in search in order to get to that rate and review part. Now, Kristen described how to do this in the podcast like four months ago, and but we got many grateful emails from people who appreciated that, and that's a long time ago. So, Adelia, could you walk everybody through it again? Yeah, I'm happy to walk you guys through it. Okay, so you're going to start off, and this is on if you have an iPhone. I'm going to give you the instructions for the podcast app. It's a little purple app, and it has like a little, a little guy in it, and it looks like a microphone. So you're going to hit that, and it should open up. And on the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a little button that says Search, and you tap that. And in the search bar, you'll type in Happier. 
and it should come right up. It'll say Happier with Gretchen Rubin, and you'll tap that. And you'll see the podcast logo come up, and you can just quickly tap the podcast logo. So if you aren't subscribed yet, you'll see up top, it'll say subscribe, and it's in purple, in all caps, right under Happier with Gretchen Rubin, and you could just quickly tap subscribe. Yeah, and please do subscribe. That's a big help for the show, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a huge help for the show. It definitely lets Apple Podcasts know that people love the show and listen to it all the time. It's a huge help, yeah. It's a huge help. So, um, and in order to write a review and rate, you'll scroll all the way down, almost at the bottom. Can I just say mm-hmm. this is what I think is the tricky part? Because if you don't, if you just see the new episodes up at the top, you might think that even if you scrolled all the way to the bottom, you would just see a list of available episodes. You don't, it's not really clear that it's going to switch functions and mm-hmm. now the screen is going to be about rating and review. So I think that's why for me a long time, I didn't know where to look because I would yeah. get to this screen and I would think, oh, this is just all the episodes. I didn't realize if I kept going, it would turn into something else. So. This is like the tricky part. Yeah, this is the tricky part. So you'll see best of the podcast and you'll see a couple episodes and then you'll see ratings and reviews um, and you'll see a sample review and they'll, you'll see something with a bunch of stars and there'll be a sample review right there. And right underneath the sample review, you'll see something It's in purple. It says write a review and it has a little um, picture of like a pen and a piece of paper and you can hit that. Do you see that? Yeah. Okay. Hit that. And now you're finally on the screen where you can write your review. And you it's possible that you might have to enter in your password again. Yeah. And then when it mm-hmm. says title and review, so if you mm-hmm. hit that, it gives you title and review. So mm-hmm. is title your title or is title like, this is the greatest podcast of all time? Or yes. like, what does that mean? Yeah. So title is like the title of your review, like the title of an email almost. Right. So it's like the subject line. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's exactly. Just like so people line. glancing through. Okay. Because yeah. sometimes that's a little bit confusing. Yeah. So on your subject line, you could write anything anything you want and then write a review in the review form and then you'll hit the stars to rate it and hopefully you'll give us five stars (laughs) (laughs) that's what we hope for and um and then send it right along and that is and send is in the top right hand corner and the fact is, it re- for you, especially for you questioners out there, this really is a way that other listeners find content. Like, this is something that people, you may do this yourself, or maybe you don't, but for a lot of people, they spend a lot of time looking at things like, how many, how many reviews does a show have? Because that's a sign of how much interest there is in a show. What do people say about it? Do the kind of things they say about it make me think that I would be interested in listening to it? People really respect the views of other listeners. And so it really just does help other people find the show if you throw in your two cents if you're a fan. It's true. It's like reading the reviews in, on Amazon almost. People are like, what do other people say? Should I subscribe? No, it's, it's, off, yeah. it's super helpful because mm-hmm. it gives you a sense of like, well, you know, what kind of thing is this? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Thank you, Odelia, for the refresher. Um, <laughs> now I have to go do a bunch of reviews on yes. all my favorite podcasts. Yeah. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward.